What's going on, everybody? It's the Searching for Something podcast. We look at everything and anything from every angle to see if there's something worth talking about. And today, I'm going to be having a really fun conversation with a young internet entrepreneur who leveraged their passion and creativity to build a successful online business from the ground up. Before I spoil anything, let's just welcome Mikey. Guy Guy Mikey, how are you, sir? What's up, boys? Uh, my name is Mikey Halim. Glad to be on Searching for Something today, and I hope that I'm able to share my story. Yeah, so for the people listening who don't know you, like, what did you create? Because that's going to be a lot of what we center the conversation around. So let's start there, and then we'll start diving into a little bit about your story and background and go from there. Yeah, so essentially, um, I've built up my brand. Uh, the brand is called S Relics, but my specific coat clothing brand is called S Relics Jerseys. Essentially, it's a custom basketball jersey apparel store, and I operate online. I got a beautiful e-commerce store, srelicsjerseys.com. And essentially what I do is I fuse modern pop culture themes such as hip-hop, uh, popular movies, superheroes, Marvel, all of that jazz into NBA jerseys. And my fans absolutely love them. Oh, I love that. Okay. So how did you go about having this idea originally where it's in your head and now it's an online business? Talk to us about how that idea came to be. So essentially, I was uh, I was in eighth grade and I was really bored in the summer. Like there was really nothing for me to do before my freshman year of high school. And uh, I was really bored one day. I got this ad on my Instagram, and it was an ad for this basketball jersey sports template. And it looked interesting to me. The problem is it cost like 70 bucks. Uh, you know, I had 70 bucks from YouTube at that time, so I decided to spend it on this template. And so my first ever jersey I designed, it was, um, it was this like Seattle Supersonics jersey. And it wasn't like based off any pop culture or anything, but it was a jersey. And I posted it on Reddit and it, it basically went viral. And this got me thinking, I'm like, shit, like people like to see custom jersey designs. So where can I go from here? And so, you know, I'm a fan of Marvel movies, fan of a bunch of rappers, bunch of popular artists. So I basically taught, uh, thought to myself like, hey, how can I combine these interests together into a product that will be unique for people? And that's basically how I got into it. Oh, I love that. So if we even just take a step back, I didn't know that you were involved in YouTube and then you knew how to post on Reddit. So it sounds like you were already pretty internet savvy and navigating these different forums and being able to crowdsource people's opinion to motivate you to determine the direction to go towards. So, you know, how... Let's now talk about your background a little bit, like where are you from, who raised you, and let's kind of go from there, because I think that will seamlessly transition itself into what you're doing today. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I grew up in a typical Asian family. My parents were always strict with me. Like, what, what kind of Asian background? Uh, so, I'm, I'm Indonesian, and nice. That's uh, I've, I haven't met a lot of Indonesian people around here, but I know they exist. But, you know, I always felt like I was kind of unique because of that. But yeah, so my my dad, my mom, 
they both went to school in Indonesia. My mom actually went to school in Australia for college, and my dad went to Michigan State University. Eventually, they ended up in California, which is where I was born, San Francisco. Uh, from what I remember, it was a great city, but then again, I only lived there until I was like four years old. Right. But Does it count? I don't know. I, I'd <laughs> say it counts. Whenever people ask me where I'm from, I just say I'm from California because it's more interesting, especially when everybody's from Washington, so... Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, so, you know, we moved to Seattle eventually. I grew up and I always had, I guess, like a passion for for doing things myself. And the way that my dad kind of raised me, he raised me to be a very independent person, never to ask people for help if you don't need to. So uh, basically what happened was uh, to get started with YouTube. That was like my first ever dive into the Internet world. And what's funny, Isaac, is that. When I made my YouTube account, I had to hide it from my parents because they didn't let me make a YouTube channel. How old were you? I was, uh, shoot, I was, I think I was in sixth grade, so. 11, 12? Yeah, like, I was like 12, I think. Let's say 12. I made a YouTube channel, and uh, did you ever play Madden Mobile back in your day? No. Okay, but Madden Mobile was the shit in like 2014, 2015. Um, so I had a Madden Mobile YouTube channel. And I realized that I didn't have like the materials I needed to have a successful YouTube channel because I had like a pretty shitty laptop that my dad got me. All it could do was it was a Chromebook, so I couldn't even like do anything on it but use the Internet, basically. But I wanted to upgrade my laptop, but I didn't want to ask my parents, hey, you know, can you spot me like a few hundred dollars? Because at the at a very young age. I understood the value of money like earlier than a lot of my peers did and I understood that my parents worked hard for it and they did a lot for me already so I guess I just had too much pride to ask them for help so um, that's so, kind of what fueled the entrepreneurial journey that I've been on so did they instill that value of 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 money itself or is this just an observation you made as a kid saying like wow like it takes money as a resource to make things happen um so it was definitely more of an observational thing my parents were never like hey money's important you got to make money like they actually they've always been there for me whatever i've been stressed out they're like hey money should be the last thing you're worrying about it's just something to me that i realized from uh when i first started making uh, Madden Mobile coins. Like I, I was a really good Madden Mobile player, and the first introduction I had to money. So explain Madden Mobile for the okay. people listening who may not All understand. Right, for sure. So Madden Mobile, it's a, it's a football game, and it's basically like a build your own team game, and it was very popular, um, on mobile, and everybody was playing it at the time. So just know that this was like, the flap. It was game. hype. It, it was, was hype you know, as fuck. Exactly. It was fucking hype. Like everybody at school played it, and it was just. It was dope. But basically, you could make like in-game currency called Madden Mobile Coins. And these coins were so like sought after. And this game was so popular that there was actually a whole marketplace for Madden Mobile Coins. Like people would post selling a million coins for like 10 or $15. And there would be a bunch of sellers on Reddit is where they usually sold or Instagram. And they sold these coins. And so the reason why that's important is because going back to what I said earlier, the value of money... I understood that because I started getting so many Madden Mobile coins that I started selling them online to make money. 
That was so my first ever. What were the importance of having coins? So basically, you could use coins to buy the best players, and to get the best team, you need to have the best players. Oh, it's pay to play. Exactly. It's it's the biggest pay to play game that existed at the time. You know, it was it was it was free to play, but you know, it, it <laughs> right. wasn't. You really got to pay like, to play, though. Exactly. Exactly. If you wanted to have a better team than everyone else, you had to pay, or you had to pay the play the game like twenty four seven, which is just not possible. So were you playing the game 24-7? How were you then being able to accumulate all these coins to then know, hey, here are these secondhand markets where I can sell this shit? So, so essentially what I did was I learned the importance of buying low and selling high. So on the, there's an auction market in Madden Mobile. And what I would do is I would have these filters on, uh, to, for example, to filter players on the auction market that are between say like 85 and 90 overall out of 100 and i would filter them by position by player and i, I would kind of learn like which players were more sought after than others and which ones i could flip for a higher value so essentially um using high level language here i would buy a player for ten thousand dollars in madden mobile and then i would resell it for twenty thousand and i would do this i would spend like a few hours a day doing this. Eventually, I made a robot to do it for me. And I would essentially just accumulate a lot of assets that I could flip for double the price. I made a lot of coins and I sold those coins for actual tangible real life money. Whoa. And so you notice this trend. He's like, wait, hold on for a second. I have time on my hands. I think there's an opportunity to make money here. Yeah. So you evaluated that. So how did it? evolved to the point where now you're creating a bot to automate that process like is this something yeah let's just go into that because i'm curious so um i've always been the type of guy that wants to like i'm i'm a lazy successful person essentially like i feel like the most successful people are the most lazy like not in terms of like work ethic but in terms of like not wanting to do tedious tasks so i was spending time doing it every day and i, and I realized that this is something that could be automated. And I mean, I was like, I just entered middle school at the time, but I had a fairly like basic understanding of how robots work, how you can make programs to do certain things. And so what I did is I, I kind of looked into it. Like, is it actually possible to make a robot that buys players for me and sells them and does a lot of shit to make coins in the game while I'm not even at my computer, you know? Mm -hmm. And so... I actually found out it was possible, uh, watch this like YouTube video and I used like an emulator on my computer. So I ran a program that played Madden Mobile, like simulated like an app screen. And from there, I just made a bot and oh, I got rich in Madden Mobile and then I translated that to money. Wow, that's awesome. Okay, so of the total earnings of real life tangible money, how much would you say that you made doing that? Oh man, I think um, I'd have to attribute like my first like five thousand dollars that I ever like five to honestly even ten thousand dollars just from selling Madden Mobile coins to people. So ten thousand. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty I, cool. It's funny because. My Instagram account where I sold Madden Mobile Coins is still public and it's still there. It's like a... It's still being used yeah, today. Oh, no, it's not being used today, but it still exists. So whenever I like, oh, I feel okay. nostalgic, I just go back to it. I'm like, damn, like this is where I started from right here. 
selling virtual <laughs> currency. Oh, that's awesome. And you yeah. were 12 years old. Yeah, I was like 12, 13 years old. And I just, I was obsessed with Man Mobile. And I basically just like monetized my addiction to a to a phone game and like used it to like make money. And that's what... To that's justify like, your addiction. Exactly, exactly. It's like... <laughs> I like and also like with YouTube, right? Because I would make Madden Mobile videos on YouTube, so it felt like I was doing, I was playing a video game, but I was working and making money at the same time, which is how I fell in love with like, I guess just like being an entrepreneur. Okay, so you do that. What's the next venture? What's going? Like, how old are you when the next idea comes? You're making money. You're 12 right. years old. Madden Mobile. You got YouTube going. Yeah. You're getting content from something you like. So what's now the next step? So I think something important to note is that while I was making money from YouTube and Madden Mobile, simultaneously, I was learning how to graphic design. Because like when you run a YouTube channel, you have to make thumbnails for every video. You have to have a logo, a banner, something professional looking so people know you're not just some, you know, random loser that just because everybody wants to make a YouTube channel, right? But not a lot of people actually put an effort into it. And I wanted to show that my channel was good. So I had two options. My first option was to buy a logo, buy all these things from people. And at first I did, I used Madden Mobile Coins to buy thumbnails. Once again, it's it all goes back to the Madden Mobile Coins. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so I'd pay people to make me thumbnails using coins. And then I realized like, this is so expensive. Like people are charging me like 50,000 coins for one thumbnail. And I realized that maybe I could do this myself. Um, I had a free Adobe Photoshop subscription from my school. And so I leveraged that and used it to my potential. And so I, I watched some basic YouTube videos on how to make logos and thumbnails and all that stuff. Eventually, I learned how to do that, and I kind of just kept learning how to graphic design in the background. <coughs> Excuse me. So yeah, while I was doing YouTube, I started getting better at graphic design. Eventually, Madden Mobile got boring. It, it, it lasted like three, four years maybe, and then I just could not bear to play it anymore. So after that, my YouTube channel died because my YouTube channel was about the game, and if I didn't like the game, then I'm not doing YouTube. So at that point, I had to figure out what to do with my free time. And then I started looking at graphic design because I was like, while my main focus was always YouTube, I was already like building up graphic design skills in the background without even like realizing it. And so what I did was I have this like whole like dramatic rebranding post on my Instagram. It's still up. I mean, I think I was in eighth grade when I wrote that. I was, it was something like, hey guys, like, from now on, um, my Instagram username is going to be changing from StayedRelic35. And that, that's just like my Xbox random generated username. And I was like, I'm going to be changing this name to SRelics. And SRelics is, as I said earlier, that's the name of my brand that I still manage today. And that's when it all changed. That's when the focus changed from Madden Mobile and YouTube to Instagram and graphic design. Wow. What made you see Instagram as the platform to do it? So the thing about Instagram is, um, once again, my, my parents didn't know about Instagram either, but- uh, Did you have to hide it from them still? I had to hide it from them. But <laughs> Instagram was- Are they just platform. trying to protect you from the yeah, world? Yeah, they, they were just trying to protect me from the world, but 
you know, I wasn't even doing it for bad things. I was doing it to like, I don't know, start a stupid YouTube channel. Right. But the reason why I chose Instagram is uh, because when I had my YouTube channel, I was simultaneously uh, using an Instagram account to like post updates about my YouTube channel. Mm. They kind of went hand in hand. And so my Instagram account, as a result, it accumulated a good amount of followers just from the fact that it was affiliated with my YouTube channel. Um, How many did you have on YouTube? Okay, so I think at my peak, I had about 15,000 subscribers. 15? Yeah, 15,000. Nice. And I think I had about like two to 3,000 on Instagram because of my YouTube channel. Oh, okay. And so how much money did you generate through YouTube at the time? Because you said the amount of coins itself, around 10K. So YouTube, how much did that bring in? Um, I think I'd be making an average of about like $300 a month from YouTube. But on top of that, I also had Madden Mobile sponsorships. <laughs> and they, they would pay me like two to 300 a month just to um, advertise their stuff on my YouTube channel. So like in total, I was making like around five to 600 every single month from playing Madden Mobile. Whoa. So how did you get the sponsorship? Did they reach out to you or did you reach out to them? They always reached out to me and um, I kind of just bounced from sponsor to sponsor. And it was always these Chinese like like scammy like Madden Mobile websites that would sell coins at like a dollar for like a million coins and something. And it was like super sus, but they actually weren't a scam. They were legit. They were, <laughs> they, I would buy coins from there from a dollar and then flip it to other people for like ten dollars. Oh, and they wouldn't classic. even bat an eye. It was, <laughs> it was pretty. It was pretty ridiculous. It was so easy. You got to thank the Chinese in a lot of situations. I know. No, seriously, because like they were just so sus. Like you'd go on the website and you're like, I'm definitely getting fished or scammed or whatever right now. But I would promote these brand, these uh, companies, and in in return they just pay me a few hundred dollars just to include like a. 10 minute video start of every episode like yo guys my sponsor mad mobile coins is having a huge deal right now make sure to use my code for like 10 percent off i still remember those days <laughs> yeah. you got the script down like to a heartbeat yeah. like it was yesterday it's forever ingrained in your soul the mo the moment homie went commercial he's about to go global exactly <laughs> i gotta speak the language of the people exactly. hey yo link in bio though <laughs> <laughs> now he's out here influencing the world. Lincoln bio. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, so then you make that public announcement that's still up today. Hey, this is my brand. This is what I do. Mm -hmm. So do you remember the first jersey that actually at that moment when you made that brand, is that when you knew it was going to be jerseys? No, I didn't know it was going to be jerseys yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, just, I didn't know that. You're just branding already though. Yeah, I was just kind of like building up a brand as like a general graphic designer that's more oriented towards like the sports scene. And I guess that's kind of what I was at that point. It was never it was never clear what my like focus was. Got it. And then you make that announcement. And so how does it kind of evolve from there? So after that, um, what I what I actually started off doing when I started my brand was I started making these uh, NBA player posters. Like, you know, for example, I would take, I would take uh, Kevin Durant back when he was on the OKC Thunder and I'd give him like a lightning effect and I'd make it into a poster. And I just had a lot of fun doing these because I would make them for all my favorite players. 
every design was unique, and they'd just be like crazy manipulations, like Steph Curry with wings, um, flying up up a burning city, like stuff like that, crazy mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like think about the stuff that AI can make now. Those were the things that I was imagining in my head, like before all of that. Yeah. Like back then, like manipulations and stuff were not as common as they are now, but that's why like it was really special to me and. I guess that's what I was known for for a bit. That was the first step. How did you choose NBA players? Or was it, again, just something because you were already interested in sports, clearly from playing Madden Mobile and liking football? Was it just a similar thing? Like, I really like basketball. I want to start making these edits. Like, when you're choosing to be a graphic designer, what then made you choose sports as opposed to the other things you could be designing? I mean, see, for me, like, graphic design was one of the only things at my life in that moment being like a you know, grade school student and like having strict parents and stuff. Like it was the only thing where I could decide what I wanted to do. And so I never felt pressured to get into fields of graphic design that I wouldn't actually have a passion for. And I was a big NBA fan. Um, and I still am a big NBA fan. And as I said, like my favorite players would tend to be more popular in the designs because I put more effort into them. I love that. I love how there's a common theme of you just going with what you enjoy. And there's not a lot of people who live that way. A lot of people are boxed in and people tell them what to do, go this way. But, you know, with these values that have been instilled with you at a young age, you know, you decide what you want to do. So, okay, you're starting to design the, the basketball posters. People are starting to like it. All right, go from there. Okay, so, you know, I kept doing these basketball poster designs for for quite a while but one thing I realized was I wanted my brand to actually grow from here because on one hand it's important to do what you love but on the other hand it was also important for me to make progress and while my designs were cool it didn't really give me any new followers like it was the same followers that were liking commenting but my work never got out there to the outside world other than the bubble that I was living in. And so it was one summer that I realized, it was the summer of, um, I think it was 2019, 2018 or 2019, it's, it's one of the two. But essentially, um, what I did was every single day that summer, I designed a new basketball jersey every single day. So that's 60 basketball jerseys in 60 days. And when I designed these jerseys, I just, you know, my followers just started skyrocketing. Like, it was actually crazy. The moment I started designing these jerseys, even if they were, like, shitty jerseys, they'd go viral. And I just kept consistent. And by the end of the summer, I think I, I had about, like, 30 grand in followers. I jumped from, like, like 8,000 to, like, 30,000 followers in that summer. And that's when I realized, like, jerseys are going to be the thing that are going to take me to the moon. Wow. These are the things that are going to make me special. Okay, so once you start posting these things and you make that challenge, hey, I'm going to make 60 jerseys in 60 days this summer. What was kind of your overall strategy to start getting that exposure? Was it just simply word of mouth, no hashtags even used at that point? Like a lot of times when people make that jump, people have questions like, oh, well, how did they do that? So it sounds like, you know, you're just kind of posting. Um, but I don't know. Maybe you had a strategy behind it. 
So there's a few strategies that I've actually used and there's like a bunch of it is honestly just consistency. Like when you do something every single day for a long period of time, eventually your work will pay off. And I don't think I've ever experienced anything in my life where that that phrase has not held true. Eventually it will pay off. And so it after like the first 15 jerseys, like they were doing well, but I wasn't booming yet. It was only until like month two of designing jerseys that I started to go like viral. And that's because people had a lot of jerseys to look at. I had like a portfolio. Yeah. And so it wasn't like, it wasn't like a strategy of like marketing it in a certain way or, um, you know, using anything like crazy that you need to learn. But it was literally just me designing jerseys, posting them, you know, next day regardless of how my jersey does post another one post another one another one another one and i got recognized through that and i you know i used hashtags but it's not like i did any like paid advertisements or did anything special i never even like cross posted outside of instagram i would literally just post on instagram use hashtags and when you post jerseys that will get people talking, they share it to their friends. Like, yo, look at this jersey design that this guy made. Isn't that sick? And I made I made jerseys that made people share it with their friends. And so my specialty is definitely not with marketing, but it's in like the strategies I use to like appeal to the psychological side of people, I guess. Like what are like it, like sometimes I design shitty jerseys just for the sake that I know they're gonna go viral. And people are going to talk about them. Like, I design jerseys that I look at. I'm like, I would never wear this in a million years. But they'd go viral. And, <laughs> and people would follow me. And people would be interested in what I design next. So, it's just, like, small things like that. So, what does that make you think? When you make that realization, this is something I would never fucking wear yet. If I post it right now, this will be what they're talking about. This will have mad engagement. This is viral. What, okay. do, you, what do you make of that? I, okay, I will tell you, I've I've made and I've sold the dumbest fucking jerseys ever, all right? I don't know how, but my 10th most popular jersey is a Spongebob jersey. And it's literally, <laughs> like, full-on Spongebob. Like, it's not even, like, Spongebob-inspired. It's just literally yellow with, like, the brown, like, suit, like, the red suit, the white dress shirt, the brown suit, whatever, like... Whatever the fuck Spongebob is, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. And I would never, I would never wear something like that. And I know it's cringy. I know it's horrendous. But people are going to look at it and be like, this is the dumbest looking jersey ever. Let me show my friend so he's going to think it's funny. Um, and funny enough, like the reason why it's like number 10 popular jersey is because little kids love the jerseys. I mean, <laughs> there's a market for everything. Like, right? I feel like there's a market for anything. And so, yeah, I kind of just, like, realized, like, it's, like, when I mean shitty jerseys, I don't mean shitty quality of design. I just mean that it's a shitty concept. Like... Lazy, maybe. Exactly. Like, I made the best SpongeBob jersey that anybody could ever make. So, the reason why people didn't like my design was not because I'm a bad designer. It's because they think it's stupid that SpongeBob is on a jersey in the first place. <laughs> and that's something that's very important to like, I guess like separate is are they are they roasting you or are they roasting like the concept? And if it's the concept, like 
I get my ideas from what other people tell me to make. So I'm not offended, you know. I'm just I'm just bringing what the people want to see. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I love that. And so, what's your top selling jersey? I'm just that popped into my head. Uh, just now. let's see. I think my top selling jersey is this. It's this jersey I have called the Legends jersey. Essentially, it's like um, a tribute to Juice World and Kobe Bryant, who recently just passed that same year. And so when I sold the jersey, I donated, I think it was like 30 or it was 25 or 30% of, of the profits I made. I donated to the Kobe Foundation and to the Long Live 999 Foundation, which is the Juice World Foundation. And so like people that were big Juice World and Kobe fans, they bought my jerseys and it just to this day, like people still love it. And it's actually one of my personal favorite designs as well, because it's so clean and unique. And it's a pink and purple jersey, which are my two favorite colors. And it's just, it's a classic, you know? Yeah. I'm never gonna have a better selling jersey than that, I think, like honest to God. That's amazing, that tribute you paid, you know, that respect, and then yeah. doing 30% of the proceeds. So of that 30%, like, in total USD, because, you know, we had the 10K Mikey making Madden coins, yeah. and then he's got the, the sponsorships on YouTube, and so we're seeing this upward progression with the IG. So of that 30%, actually of total jersey sales, yeah. what was that? And then that 30% ended up going into these two foundations. So um, how much was that? So let's see. I would say, like, as of right now, given that it's my number one selling jersey, and just to like have like a number to reference, I currently have over seven hundred thousand in lifetime sales, and so from that seven hundred thousand, about like a hundred grand is from this one jersey alone, right? The one jersey yes, alone, exactly one design, wow, six figures, and it was honestly it was crazy, man. Like, it's crazy how like. Because it takes me like an hour to design a jersey, right? And I think about how in that one hour, I just made a $100,000 idea. And it's it's mind-blowing to me sometimes. Yeah, that is insane. That one jersey, yeah. 100000 total 700 k Yeah. And that made up 100 k Yeah, exactly. And it's, it is just because it's my best-selling jersey. Wow. I've retired a lot of my old designs, but that's a design that I, that I haven't retired not retired so you have a website people could go on it right now yeah. check out that jersey yeah and see it exactly right because it's on my website and it has the most reviews out of all of the other jerseys on my website just because the most people have worn them wow i love that okay so even just taking a step back because i'm fully trying to understand your mindset into yeah. building out these projects yeah, yeah so you had that idea of saying you know what i'm gonna spend a summer Every day, I'm going to make a jersey. 60 days, 60 jerseys. You're on some Kanye shit. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. what then made you even think that thought? What made you want to hold yourself accountable? And how did you hold yourself accountable? Because a lot of times, people set up <laughs> goals for themselves. Right. But they lose momentum. They don't follow through. So can you speak to that? Yeah. Um, so for me... The one thing that kept me going was I actually liked what I was doing. I didn't look at it as like a daily chore. I looked at it as like a daily, oh, I get to go design a jersey today. Similar to my mindset towards other things like the gym. It's not like a, oh man, I got to go to the gym. It's like, oh, this is going to be like one of the better parts of my day. And I kind of like established it into my routine in a healthy way. 
And um, there were obviously days where I felt tired because I was doing things over that summer too. Like I was, um, I was doing this very rigorous basketball academy camp and that consumed a lot of my days, but I would still have to go home after that and design a jersey. Or um, I would sometimes even do it like the night before for the following day, kind of keep myself like a day or two ahead at a time so that in case I am feeling lazy, I can take that day off because I have a post ready for that day. But the biggest thing that motivated me in the end was just seeing how everybody would respond to these jerseys. Because I found something that everybody liked. And with every single post, it validated that even more. And every single time I posted, I was always excited because I was like, I knew that it was gonna go viral. And the only thing I was worried about is if it would go more viral than the last. That's the <laughs> only thing I had to worry about. And it was That's just, a good worry to have. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, I mean, my motivation was just like staying consistent, remembering what it's for and seeing progress, even if it was humble progress, like any progress, you know, you start with going from like 500 to 600 to 700 to 1,000 likes. Then you start exponentially going to like 5, 20, 30,000, which is my most liked jersey on Instagram. Um, which one was that one? Um, okay, I think, okay, this kind of goes back to the whole dumb shit makes people, makes things go viral. It's a Gucci a Lakers jersey with like the tan colorway and it's like honestly it's ugly as shit like it looks like <laughs> it looks like some AliExpress stuff all right but the but that's not the point people like the design and it has like a th it has like 32,000 likes on Instagram and that was honestly one of my bottom 5 jerseys I've ever designed why is it my number one most like jersey I don't fucking know that's the world people like weird. Gucci exactly like the world is weird and you just have to accept that like the dumbest things will go viral. I mean, I think even now in this day and age, like with TikTok, that's very obvious. Like the dumbest things will go viral. Right. Yeah. So have you then made other jerseys of designer brands or is the Gucci the only one that you did? Well, I've made other ones. I've made like, um, I've made this Dior jersey. That's one of my most popular jerseys actually. Like, um, and I made, I made that for this TikTok kid. Uh, Little TikTok kid. Well, I mean... <laughs> It's just his his name is Josh Richards. Like he's like, a re he's really big in the TikTok world. But to me, he's just a TikTok kid. Like, no disrespect, but um, define TikTok kid. I mean, I feel like a TikTok kid is like anybody whose fame is solely driven from TikTok, and their fame was not from any other places. You know, because I feel like being like a like TikTok celebrity should have like an asterisk next to it <laughs> compared to being like a Hollywood celebrity. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I would say it's definitely yeah. a different type it's of fame, different, different exactly. type of crowd. It, exactly. it really depends, though. Completely different crowd, completely different crowd. But I mean, yeah, that's not the point. But essentially, like this, this guy, like he I, I offered to design a custom jersey for him. And because this guy wore it and like this guy is like one of the icons of like TikTok, like fashion or like like I guess like beauty standards or whatever. Everybody was like, oh, that is a sick jersey. Where can I buy one? At that point, I capitalized, sold the jersey, and all of his fans came running over to me to buy this jersey just because he wore the same jersey. Like, it's crazy. So, how long ago was this? Uh, this was actually, like, uh, I think it was, like, 2020, like, during COVID. 2020? Yeah. Okay, so, when you decided to make that 60-day challenge, what, yeah. year, what year was this? Okay, so this was, 
after my freshman year of high school. So this was uh, 2018. 2018. Yeah, 2018. Okay, so you have this breakout summer. Yeah. You know, you start really gaining traction. Yeah. By the end of the summer, how many followers do you have? Uh, I think it was like, it was 30, it was somewhere around 30,000. I think it was like 33,000. 33,000. That's the end of the 2018 summer. Okay. 2018 summer. It's yeah. a wrap. You're around 30 something thousand followers. Yeah. And where do you go from there? Okay. So this is where the story kind of takes a turn, man. Cause from here, I, um, I basically quit for almost two years. You quit? Yeah. How come? I quit. Right after my successful summer, I just I just quit. You quit? Yeah. Was there a reason behind it? Uh, there were a few reasons. Um, one of the reasons was that school got a lot busier. Uh, like, the difference between freshman year and sophomore year was crazy, man. I mean, freshman year was basically, like, not going to school at all. And then sophomore year, I actually had, like, AP classes and hard assignments. And um, so that was, like, one thing. It was hard for me to find the time. To do that while being in a sophomore in high school and another thing was after i got really popular i started to realize that i was designing jerseys i started designing jerseys for the wrong reason i started designing jerseys not because i liked to design jerseys but because i felt like it was essential for me to go viral and it started to feel like a chore to me after a certain point because like I didn't quit right away after that summer. You know, I still like posted every once in a while. But when I fully quit was when I just decided like, I'm, I don't like what I'm doing right now. And it's not really like making me happy. And I feel like I'm forced to do it. And so I sort of lost a little bit of love for what I was doing. And, you know, one month turned into three months, which turned into half a year, a year, one and a half years. All of a sudden there's, it's 2020. Um, and I had not gained any followers since like summer of 2018, that's two years of no progress just because I stopped. I, um, I will say though, I didn't just quit like making jerseys because I still would make like NBA player posters because that's what I enjoyed doing. And at least I still enjoyed that. So I still would uh, make graphics and that sort of stuff. But uh, what I mean quit, I mean quit making jerseys. Got it. So you were still practicing. I was still, yeah, I was still practicing my skills. It's not like I just stopped designing completely. I just, I stopped doing jerseys and just went back to what I was doing before that, where I wasn't making any progress, but I was having a good time. Mm. Yeah. So with those posters that you were designing, was that purely for you or were you monetizing on those as well? Oh, no, I, I never made a single dollar off any of those posters I've designed. I mean, a lot of people have always asked me like, hey, do you sell these? And I never make them with the intention of making money. I make them because it's art. And every single piece of art that I make is something to add to my portfolio. So it was always just like as an artist and a creator, like the desire to never stop creating. And that's why I did that for um, a while. That's great. So 2020 rolls around. You were like, fuck, dude. I can't believe this much time has gotten under, for, under from me from these jerseys and so what made you kind of pick it back up and start design like what was your intent for designing jerseys this time around okay so uh this is going to be a big fast forwards to 2020 and it was actually march literally right when covid shut everything down um i remember i was at home and i was i wasn't doing much i realized that co like school during covid was super easy and i honestly 
got bored. And so I decided to start picking up an old hobby that I had, which is designing jerseys. And so one day I, I decided this is when kind of like the pop culture influence started to be incorporated into my jerseys was uh, I had recently watched Captain America because Captain America is my favorite Marvel superhero. And the night before I watched The Winter Soldier, one of my favorite movies. So the next day when I was thinking of ideas for what to do with the jersey, I was like, oh, like, what if I make like a Captain America basketball jersey? And so I, I made the jersey. And keep in mind that for like a good like year or so, none of my posts were popping. Like I, I literally did not gain any followers and nothing went viral. But when I designed this Captain America jersey and I posted it, it, it went viral. Like all of a sudden, it's like I was back to where I was in 2018. I was How like, many people saw it? Oh, uh, I think it got like seven or 8,000 likes on Instagram. And my average before that was like, like one to 2,000. So, so you popped and, off. Yes, and I popped off. And it was just insane because I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, this, there's no way this is going to go viral. Like I haven't designed jerseys in a while. Like it's not going to be like some magical, like just like something magical. But it was just as magical as I could have expected, you know. Like all of a sudden, my name was out there. And so after I designed a Captain America jersey, I was like, okay, what's another superhero? And I designed, I think my next one was like, I don't remember exactly what my next one was, but I made like a Indiana Panthers and a Black Panther or yeah, no, Indiana Pacers and Black Panther collab because Victor Oladipo, who's an NBA player that played on the Pacers at the time, he was in the dunk contest and he wore like a Black Panther mask. So I, I decided to take that and like incorporate it in the jersey and that jersey also went crazy i made an iron man jersey that went crazy and i made third in 30 days i made 30 different superhero jerseys and by the end of that that was that that 30 days was honestly the prime of my career or i'm not gonna say prime because i don't think i've reached my prime yet but it was one of the peaks of my career and it was my greatest peak so far because like the amount of things that happened in those 30 days was actually crazy so go into all that. Yeah. Um, so I got reposted by SportsCenter, ESPN, uh, Bleacher Report. ESPN actually reposted me like three or four different times. Dang. What were those jerseys that you reposted? <laughs> the superhero jerseys. Oh, wow. And it was like the post on ESPN of my jerseys, it got like 800,000 likes, which is way Dang. more than the average <laughs> amount of likes. Like, it was up there, it like, and because ESPN posted it, like, a bunch of news articles posted it as well. I'm talking about, like, Fox Sports, um, the Seattle Times, actually, posted, uh, Como 4, King 5, um, there's, like, a long list of just, like, uh, like, ABC, um, you know, bunch of fucking companies just reposting my stuff. I'm going viral on instagram twitter i wish tiktok was popular at this time because i would have been viral on tiktok too but it was twitter instagram and just like the entire web like if, if i every single morning i'd i'd look up my name on google and i know that's hella narcissistic but if you were in my position you do that too especially when new news articles were coming up about you every single day like i'd wake up and i'd be like oh there's five new articles about me that's sick and i'd read all of them um and i also got to I also landed a really fucking cool job at the lingerie football league 
And uh, I was... How did that happen? Okay. All right. We'll talk about this first. So after ESPN posted me on their Instagram, I get a message from like a verified account. I'm like, who is this? And I look at it. It's the fucking lingerie football league, bro. Like the league where like girls wear like thongs and bras and run around (laughs) playing football. Like... Like, this is, like, it was, like, the Laundry Football League was a meme. Like, (laughs) that was not a real thing. But out of all the companies that hit me up, they hit me up, right? And And there's some athletes in that league. (coughs) Yeah, and they... Someone put a shoulder in you in the middle of your chest. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, definitely. So they told me, they were like, hey, so we're rebranding from the Laundry Football League to the Extreme Football League because we want to make jerseys that are more, like, respectful towards women and we do not want to promote like any bad ideas and stuff so instead of having like our regular uh you know like inappropriate jerseys like we want you to design our new jerseys which will feature like full length tops and um like shorts instead of like uh thongs essentially and so i designed all of their jerseys and those are the jerseys they use today it's honestly pretty sick gotta see a bunch of like athletic girls just running around playing football in my jerseys like it's actually pretty cool Wow, so this the whole league. Yeah, the whole league. And I made like a I made a good amount of money off that project too. So what was that deal? What did that net? So that deal was about so I think in total it was about it was a $15,000 deal and on top of that I was able to add that to my portfolio, which was honestly the best part about the whole experience. Um and I'm actually in the process of designing their jerseys for their next season, which is cool. Oh, that's awesome. So that's I guess still like, a working relationship. The legacy today. continues, man. Like they hit me up, they're like, Hey, do you still make jerseys? I'm like, Hell yeah, I do. So, you know, obviously with inflation, I'm not gonna be charging them fifteen thousand this time. It's gonna be a lot more than that, but You've learned a lot more since then as well. Oh yeah, I've learned a lot more and my, my design skills are twenty times better now than they were back then. So but yeah, I'm excited for that. But yeah, other than the you know, the lingerie football league hiring me from ESPN Deadpool, Mr. Ryan Reynolds, like, I get a notification from him in my DMs, and I'm like, what the fuck, dude? Like, what is going on? He reposts my jersey, my Deadpool jersey on his story, and he's like, this is so pretty, at S Relics. And, dude, that was honestly way more hype than ESPN reposting me, <laughs> because I'm a big Ryan Reynolds fan, and, like, even today, like, his roles in, not even just his Deadpool roles, like, in Free Guy, like, that was one of my favorite movies because of Ryan Reynolds. And it's just so cool because he he recognized my jerseys, posted my shit, and called them pretty. Um, and uh, yeah, like other than that, it um, it just gave me a lot of attention. And by the end of uh, well, actually, after the superhero jerseys, I kept designing more, and eventually is where I got to where I am now. But okay, yeah, hold on. Like, so let, let's yeah. take a you know bite by bite. So yeah. During this 30-day, just creative spree of yeah. superhero jerseys, crazy amount of repos, all this traffic, you're getting all this attention, you're looking up your brand, you're trying to maintain who's talking about what, who's saying this, it's all motivating you. So after you get done with this 30-day spree of creation, what then is like, was the next project immediately there, the Laundry Football League? Was that the next step that happened there? Or what were the next set of things that you started creating? So the Laundry Football League, like, you know, I, I did have to design jerseys for them. But at the same time, I had to keep creating content for my Instagram, which is what I did. So after the superhero jerseys, 
I um I designed these Disney jerseys. And uh, I designed these Disney jerseys in collaboration with another jersey artist. His name is Slam Studios. He's he actually has a really cool page. But me and him, we designed 30 Disney NBA jerseys, Disney and NBA collabs. So, like, for example, Winnie the Pooh and Grizzlies or uh, Frozen and the Utah Jazz. And I did this for the next 30 days. And there was no break in between the last day of the superhero jerseys and the first day of the Disney jerseys. I didn't take a second to like sit back and enjoy what I've done. I started the next one immediately because I really had a sense of urgency at that point to keep the ball rolling. You're like, I can't fucking drop the ball here. Exactly. Like, you can exactly. only keep attention for so long. I know. And that's like, that's something that's very important to remember because you, if you can never get comfortable with like internet fame, especially because a new thing is trending every single day. Like you think people are going to care about you tomorrow just because they care about you today. Like, everything could change. Tomorrow, there could be a new Jersey company that's better than me. I'm not saying there will be because I don't think there ever will be. But that's just something that you got to live by. And um, so, yeah. Right? Like, I saw the other day this fact that said the average human attention span is eight seconds. Really? So, you take that into account and then you go online where... The algo and the rate of which Dude, information yeah. changes, and the, the how type quick of people, it goes in. The type of people that are like browsing the internet, like they, you know, the internet already gives people a low attention span. I mean, <laughs> I mean, my roommate, my roommate's attention span because of TikTok is like nothing, and he admits it. It's pretty funny. It's scary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's scary. And I mean, yeah, it is really scary. So that's why, like, once you have somebody's attention, you have to capitalize, and that's what I did. So I designed these Disney jerseys and kind of the same trend continued with like news companies uh, reposting my stuff, Instagram pages reposting my jerseys. What was the best Disney one? The one that you're like, okay, this was the clear number one out of the mm, whole 30 days. Let's see. Hmm. Honestly. And what was the superhero number one too? Okay, so I would say that the superhero number one is definitely the uh, Indiana Black Panther jersey because that was the second jersey design I ever sold. And it's also like one of my classic jerseys that, you know, will always have a special place in my heart because it's like one of the first jerseys that made me as successful as who I am. So I got to remember and think back to that. Uh, in terms of the Disney jerseys, I think, oh, that's a tough question, man. I think it has to be the uh, Disney and Frozen, Disney, uh, Utah Jazz, and Frozen collab. Just that sounds hard. Just because Frozen's my favorite Disney movie, and the color scheme on that jersey was just perfect. So you are looking at this, 30 days, superheroes, <coughs> popped off, a lot yeah. of engagement. I got to make use of this and not fuck it up. Yeah. And then you go to Disney. So after those 30 days, what do you go from there? So... After those 30 days, once again, I have to keep the ball rolling. So I decided to make some like hip hop and NBA jerseys. And even though this was my least successful out of the three, this was definitely my favorite because I'm a big like hip hop guy. I mean, I listen to it every single day and I have a lot of different artists and different albums that I love. And so it was honestly just so fun being able to design basketball jerseys that were based on rappers or albums. Wow. Okay. And so superheroes, Disney, rappers, 
And was this rapper's project another 30-day one where you're like every day it's going to be 30 days? Yeah. So Where I, did you get that from? I just – there's 30 NBA teams and there's like about 30 days in a month. So I was like, shit, man. Like every month is a New Jersey like series. And so at the end of my third 30 days, like that's 90 days of posting in a row. That's three months of just pure grind. And this was peak COVID. This was from from March – to um like June, like I made jerseys every single day, and actually even after that, I, I kept posting every single day, for the rest of the year. So that's like, that's why I say that's one of my peaks because I had so much time. I mean, I was in online school that kind of like fell into the summer too. Like I wasn't really doing much in the summer. My parents wouldn't let me go outside, hang out with my friends because they were very scared about COVID, and so I was basically in my room by myself for a lot of, like, pretty much like six out of seven days. I didn't even like sneak out or anything. So I decided to be productive. Whereas like a lot of people share their like COVID, like COVID made me super lazy. Like COVID made me slack off. Like it did the opposite for me because when everybody else was sleeping, I was working while everybody else was on their phones. I was giving them content to look at on their phones. Like, and there was less competitors during that time as well. Yeah. So I just kind of like boomed, you know? Yeah. That's amazing. You know, you looked at that's what I've, it all comes back down to Mad Mobile. It does. It it all comes it back does. down to Mad Mobile. It does. <laughs> like the more we talk about it, the more like obvious it is to me because I didn't really think about it in that way. I didn't really think about how the same values that I applied with Mad Mobile with like seeking these opportunities and like capitalizing on them. It's like the same stuff I do but with real life like things that actually matter now <laughs> yeah okay so you start making these jerseys and people are buying them and wearing them so how did you get into contact with like a supplier like what where, where are your jerseys like how are they made so another thing just like you know you know how i was saying in in madden mobile the sponsors always came out to me i never reached out to them uh-huh. the same thing with suppliers because they would see that I had a lot of jersey designs and they'd reach out to me asking if I wanted to like take a chance on them. So my first manufacturer, he's honestly a piece of fuck. Um, <laughs> his company's name is name is like Dar Half Sports or something. And like one day I just decided when I wanted to make jerseys, like I'm going to order from this guy. And, you know, the first order he made me was good. But every single order after that, the quality just got worse and worse. But that's why, like, I actually ended up switching manufacturers to this other guy. And you wouldn't believe it, dude. Like, this guy is the most, like, like random account ever. He has, like, 50 followers on Instagram. There's no credibility at all. But for some reason, I decided to respond to his DM because he said, sir, we can make this in low price. And I was like, oh, okay, like, let's see what he has to offer. And, dude, it was crazy because you would not believe the caliber of like manufacturing power this guy has and he's like a nobody on instagram but he is he is the um he actually manufactures a lot of american apparel brands like he he manufactures for bleacher report like bleacher report makes a hip-hop at like hip-hop artist x nba collection every year and this year he was the manufacturer for that like jersey series so this like official nba series like jerseys right He's also the manufacturer for some sports apparel companies, such as um, Champion is one of them. 
Like he makes he's like some of his Whoa. like some of his like materials. It's like <clears throat> it's champion. Like he makes some of their crewnecks and some of their shorts as well, um, as well as like some other companies. But he's a pretty big like supplier. So the one thing about him is that he only works with like a small clientele because it's like um, he works with like companies that are more popular, I guess, not just like some any like. So whenever people are like, "Who's your manufacturer?" I'm like, "It doesn't matter. He's not going to work with you." But yeah, so he reached out to me. He's honestly like the best thing that's ever happened to me. Like one time he tried to break up with me and I cried. Like it was like harder than an actual breakup, dude, I swear. And I, you know. How did that happen? Well, he was like offended because he felt like I was like being too harsh on him or some shit. Because like, like I like asked him, I was like, yo, I need this jersey design. Can you make it to me by next week? And I was being a little bit pushy. And I guess he, like, took it to heart. He was like, bro, like, I always saw you as, like, a brother, not just, like, a business, like, relations guy. And, like, it just feels like you just care about this for business. And so he was like, we will not work for you anymore. And I was like, dude, fuck. That's my whole entire company right there. And um, essentially what happened was it was a lot of sweet talk to, like, get him to, like, trust me again and get him to, like you know supply for me again so what did you say i was just like dude like i'm really sorry man like i've worked with you for so long and i i honestly really do appreciate like all the work you do um i'm sorry if i was pushy like i i i like i don't want to come off that way and i kind of like had a heart to heart with him and eventually he was like okay like we work for you but like um like if it ever happens again like we're done you know it was like, it's like, honestly, like, it's like, it's like I'm in like a whole relationship that I have to maintain, you know? <laughs> yeah. So how did it, how have you then changed to where you're not feeling pushy? Because it sounds like you were just making, you know, a business request. Okay. Like, hey. Yeah. So what's, how's your approach different now? So that's my approach is trust? different now because, you know, every time he makes an order, like I place large orders, like say like I order like a thousand jerseys, right? You know, he'll usually, like, mess up, like, a small percentage of them. Like, the customs will either have, like, a typo or, like, some jerseys would not have arrived. And, you know, I could easily be like, yo, dude, what the fuck? Like, you, you left out, like, 30 jerseys. Um, like, like, remake them. I could do that. But on the other hand, I could just eat the financial cost and just, like, keep a good relationship with him, I guess. And every single time when I when I think about it, like... The way I rationalize to myself is I'm going to make so much more money if this guy stays my supplier in the future. Like this like batch of 30 jerseys is not worth me possibly jeopardizing my relationship with my manufacturer. So it's like I guess that's just like one of the things that I learned as like a business owner. It like, you know about like it's like something that you can't really learn in school i guess and like having this experience with our manufacturer has just really taught me the importance of maintaining a good relationship with like people that are of high value to you i guess and um so that that's how that's how i kind of deal with it now i don't make a big fuss about it and it's it's okay i just you know i deal with it <laughs> Yeah, you know, the first thing that comes into my mind, again, seeing a parallel of, of uh, Mad Mobile, is you were buying coins from these 
sketchy Chinese websites. Didn't look legit. He said, fuck it. I'll see if it's not legit, whatever. But let me see what's up. And it ended up paying off. This guy reaches out, has zero credibility, nothing to stand for. But you're like, you know what? Why not? I've always given people just, you know, the benefit of the doubt. Dude, yeah, exactly. And it's just crazy that I didn't find out all of these things about him until after he started working with me. Like, I didn't know he manufactured for all these big brands, but I guess to him, it was also kind of like a test for me in a way to see if I'd like take a chance on him without knowing his like full like credibility, I guess. And that's why like he says like I'm one of his like gold star customers like to this day because like he really trusts me. Wow. So we've come a long way, man. Just like, and okay, the most crazy part about this guy, like I said, he reached out to me on DM, right? The first time he reached out to me was actually two years ago, two years prior to selling my first jersey. And it was just insane because like, number one, he, he thought to reach out to me again. And number two, my like gold mine has been in front of me for this entire time. I just had not like taken the opportunity until now, which is crazy to me. It's funny how life's like that sometimes. The answer is always just right in front of you. Exactly. It's like, it's right there, but you just don't think to like... Wake up. Exactly. Open your fucking eyes. Look. Exactly. Look, it's right there. Just look, but everyone's walking around with their eyes closed. Man, my my last room trip, I was with the Jack actually, and that was my biggest realization was sometimes the answer is just right in front of you and you got to be so... You got to be more aware of the obvious things and like take a chance on things even if like they think they seem like they might not like work out or even be credible in the first place you know like you never know until you try yeah i think that's like that's something that makes me like different than a lot of business owners is um like i've honestly done everything in my business by exclusively like what i decide is right and i'm a really stubborn guy and sometimes I fuck up, but sometimes I ended up being the only right person to like try this risk. And, you know, switching manufacturers was a big risk of its own. Switching manufacturers from some guy that, you know, made jerseys, even though they were shitty, to a guy who had no reputation. Like, I just made a jump like that, and it paid off. Yeah, that's awesome. And so when you were originally making these jerseys, was it with the intent to sell them, or were you just creating designs for jerseys oh i was just creating designs just to design like it you know a lot of people are always told me like hey why don't you sell your jerseys and um i tell them like hey maybe one day and i guess it took me like three years of designing jerseys to finally be like okay this is the day and uh so i i did and i'm glad that it took me so long to come to that decision because it allowed me to focus on designing a bunch of jerseys and building my reputation as a good jersey designer before then releasing my products to everybody. And the anticipation was insane. Like it was like everybody that had been waiting for so long jumped on the opportunity. And so it was all about building the hype up over like three years and having patience to do so. Yeah, that's incredible. That's inspiring too. I think there's a lot of people listening that were like, 
that's all it really takes. Sometimes the answer is right in front of you, and yeah. you have to put your head down every single day and contribute something. And that's what's nice about what you're doing is that it's a creative contribution. Yeah, you know, it's it's these are designs that's coming straight from your head. Yeah, and that's cool. No, exactly. It's uh, it's it's like if I'm ever like not feeling confident in myself, it's like I I always like think to myself like, well, there's one thing that I know for sure is special about me. And it's like my my um, creative brain, I guess, the ability to like, I guess, like perceive things in my head and like design them compared to what other people may think. Yeah. So three years go by, you haven't sold a single jersey. When was the moment that you decided to say, fuck it, let's start cashing out? Yeah. So it was uh, my senior year of high school. Um and it was still COVID, like school was all online. And, you know, I, I was once again at home. And so I honestly don't even know why I decided to start selling it now. I just, I just like, I guess I just, one day the thought popped in my head and rather than shutting it down, I actually decided to follow through. Like, I was like, okay, you know what? Like, I'm gonna just give this a chance. Like, honestly, I was skeptical because I was skeptical at how easy it would be to make money given that I had a product and I had people that wanted to buy my product and I knew exactly what my profit margins would be if I sold that product. But even though nothing could go wrong, I, I just kind of was scared because I was like, I've never like operated something on such a high scale before. And so my first ever sale was actually, it was so, it was just like, it was so I, I didn't have like an online store or anything. The way I sold the jerseys was, I was like, okay, DM me to buy, like I'm accepting Venmo and PayPal. And I manually wrote down all of the orders on like an Excel spreadsheet. And it was honestly the most like painstaking, tedious experience of my life. But after that, I started to automate everything, which was nice. Um, what got I, automated first? Uh, the first thing that got automated was I actually built an online store um, and integrated it with Shopify because they already have like a payment transaction handling system. And so that was basically like, and they also had like an order management system as well. So essentially whenever people bought a Jersey, like I didn't have to manually write it down in the spreadsheet and I could also just print their shipping labels directly from the order and everything was just better after that. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I guess, uh, where were we at again? We were talking about your first sale. Oh, right. Yeah. So. And what got automated first. Exactly. Right. So, yeah, I mean, back to the original question of why did I start? I just, I decided like, hey, today's a good day to try to sell a jersey. And um, that week of selling jerseys really gave me the validation for like making this into like a real thing. And it only got better from there, even though like, like my first sale, I think I made like 20 grand. And it was like, I was like. I literally just, I didn't even do anything. I already designed this jersey. All I did was make a post saying it's up for sale and instantly I made like 20 grand. And I was like, there's there's no way that it's this easy, right? <laughs> like it, it actually felt like that. I was like, there has to be a catch. Like, what if like, like what if I lose all this money? Like how, what if like everybody like charges back or something? Like I had all of these insecurities when I realized that there's nothing to worry about. This is literally like what a business is. And then I started to consider myself as a business owner that sold goods. 
and that's when everything really like got professional i guess like with the online store um and eventually like i got to the point today where i've sold like 50 different designs and it all started with my one houston astro world design actually that was my very first jersey that was your very first jersey yeah that i sold it was a houston astro world design and i mean at this point i can't sell it anymore because so many people copied my idea and now there's like a hundred versions of a Houston Astroworld jersey. But, you know, back then I was like one of the only guys that had that idea. So, yeah. So you have this major perspective shift where you're like, I'm not just some kid way in over my head. Yeah. I'm a business owner. Yes. I've put in the time and work. Here's my portfolio. People are interested. So before you made that plunge into making your first sale, clearly you're like, I know I have an idea here. I have people who want to buy it. So what then, how did you go about figuring out who is going to be the manufacturer? Um, okay, so like by this point, like by the point I already decided to sell a jersey, I already was in contact with my first manufacturer, the one that I like ended up cutting ties with. But I already had like a... Um, a relationship with this guy so i told him i was like hey do you think you could make like a sample of this jersey and it was a sample of the Houston how did you know, uh, know him oh he just reached out to me he was like you know um all of these overseas manufacturers they like they talk in such a funny way especially if they're from like the middle east like this guy was like hello brother i would love to do business with you brother please take like take a chance on me and like it was just like it was so like I felt like I was going to get scammed, but... <laughs> kind of wholesome, though. You know, it was, it was wholesome, <laughs> yeah, because, like, brothers, like, like, you know how, like, we say, like, bro or, like, dude or whatever. Like, yeah. it's always just, like, brother. It's so funny. Brother is good, brother. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like, whoa, he's my brother. That's cool. Exactly. Now, I have so many brothers I didn't know about. <laughs> I know. But, but yeah, so uh, he reached out to me, and I was, like, you know, I didn't really know much about the process of manufacturing, so... I kind of went into this blind. I was like, so, hey, like, do you think you can, you can like, make a sample of this before I decide if I want to buy Jersey? And luckily, this guy made free samples, so I wasn't even losing Of course, brother. Free sample, brother. Exactly, exactly. He was like, of course, we do free sample for you, brother. You're like, oh, like okay, good, brother. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, like, all right. Dude, I started adopting their, like, terminology. It's like, every single time, I mean, even now with my current manufacturer, I look through my text. And How are you, like, brother? <laughs> no, literally, literally, dude, I was like. And he sometimes, sometimes he's like, how is, how is mommy, brother? Like, talk, <laughs> asking about my mom. And it's just so goddamn funny, man. It's so it's wholesome. It's great, man. right? It's great. No, yeah. it's wholesome. Cause it's he's not, your brother now. He is. He's he your brother. Is. Like, he's, like, he's a great guy. He was like, he was like brother, like, um, like when, whenever you get married, invite me to wedding. I will come. I will fly over. Invite me, brother. I'll be there, brother. It's exactly. like, oh, okay. Well, of course, man. You're my brother, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, it's only now that I, like, realize how, like, wholesome it is but like at the time i was like i had to be like aware of like what was gonna happen yeah yeah, yeah. like what if this guy would just sweet talking me so he actually made me a sample of my houston jersey and it looked pretty good so i was like you know what fuck it like let's let's go sell this so then like when i sold the jersey i like posted a picture of like the sample um showing people like what the real life product would look like too and um it reached all their expectations in the end like nobody complained everybody was like oh this is a great jersey like it's and it's funny because the quality of my current jersey is like a hundred times better than the quality of that jersey. But the fact that people were satisfied with that with that level of quality, and they paid that much for it, like I was like shit. Like, there's got to be a market for this, you know. 
Yeah. Yeah. So with this manufacturer, how did it work out for negotiating <coughs> what the price was going to be? You decided, hey, I'm going to make this specific Houston jersey. How many were you going to make? Um, did you already have that order list no, with so him? So I, how did you go about that? So what I did was I kind of did like a pre-order thing where like I would order just enough for how many people wanted to buy jersey plus like a few extras. So I so think, made a um, post and told people like, "Ayo, pre-order." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, like, I was like, "Yeah, I was like, here, order your jersey now." And then after I after I closed like the orders, right? It was like a day or two. I collected I think like a hundred orders, and so then I went to my manufacturer and I was like, "Hey, these are my hundred orders. Can you please make these many jerseys?" And paid him accordingly for that. You know, like two weeks later, it was at my house, and then a week after that, the customers got it. So. So how much did he charge you for a hundred jerseys? Oh man, I, I forgot, but I think um back then I was paying like twenty five to thirty a jersey, which is honestly crazy considering the quality of like the jerseys he made compared to the jerseys I get now, which I get for less than that. And um yeah, like I, I paid like twenty five to thirty for like a hundred jerseys, but the thing is, like I sold these jerseys for like seventy to like eighty bucks, so I, I still made you know, over double the profit. So it didn't matter for me. So how much are you making? It, uh, the, how much does your supplies cost for 100 jerseys now? So you said you're not paying 25 30 anymore. No, I'm paying less than that. Um, can't go too into detail, but just know it's less than what I was originally paying. You know? <laughs> and so are the jerseys still around the same price? Yeah, actually, well, now, like, I think the, the thing is the market for jerseys has definitely declined. Just because, like, at the head of the jersey market, you have the NBA store. And they're kind of like the gold standard for pricing, right? They sort of have a monopoly on the jersey market because they're, like, the sole, like, officially licensed distributor. And so they've lowered their jerseys to be more affordable to people. And as a result, I have to lower my custom jerseys to be below, like, official NBA jerseys. Because, like, let's face it, like... There's no reason why a custom, not officially licensed NBA jersey should cost more than an officially licensed NBA jersey, you know? So how much did they cost then compared so to now? back then, like, official NBA jerseys would cost, like, upwards of, like, $130. Like, you would need to pay $120 or $130 to get a jersey, even if it's for, like, a shitty player. But now you can get, like, an NBA player's jersey for, like, 70 to 80 so it's like declined a lot and that's why I just can't sell my jerseys for as high as I used to anymore because the NBA controls the market at the end of the day and I just, you know, I'm still making profit, which is all that matters. So how much are you selling them now? Uh, so usually I sell jerseys for about like around like $60 is like a good average price. For custom jerseys, I usually charge about 15 to 20 more. So for customs, it's like $75 to $80. And I found that that's kind of like the perfect price point where I'm not just giving them from dirt cheap, but people are willing to buy it. Yeah. I love just recapping what has brought you today. You know, I think it's important to understand why you are the way that you are because of your experiences. And so when you made that first order, 
25 30 bucks whatever you're paying for for the mm -hmm. supplies you you know sold it for 70 i think you said or 80 yeah around there yeah, yeah, yeah. that goes through you're like oh my god like yeah so what what were you kind of feeling for your first so, time ever i was very overwhelmed i was like dude i've never seen this much money in front of me in my life before like what the fuck do i do about this but the job wasn't over yet because i still had to order the jerseys and then ship them to my customers and then hopefully have them like it so I honestly was still really stressed even after I collected the money and I continued to be stressed until the jerseys got in the hands of the customers and they left good reviews. And after that point, I, I was like, oh my God, like it's time to like, I guess my way of celebrating was just upgrading my business in a way. Like I didn't really celebrate. I didn't really go like splurge on a nice dinner or some nice clothes. I kind of just reinvested my money into making my business even better. And uh, nowadays, I've kind of learned to celebrate a little bit more because, you know, life short, life short. And um, like, I deserve to like, you know what we were talking about before this started, like kind of like if you can afford like expensive things like to go for it, because I've earned this hardworking money. And like, that's why, like, I got to buy my own car last year for because like my first car, my dad got me and then I decided to sell that car and buy my own car, one that I actually had full control over choosing, you know? So I honestly feel like me celebrating my accomplishments from two years ago is kind of happening now. So yeah, but back then I was just focused on just continuing the grind and like seeing where my business can go next. Yeah, so the next thing you did was reinvest the money. So what immediately did you do? So the first thing I did was I uh, figured out how to get a Shopify website up and running. Uh, they Their subscription is like $33 a month, which is not bad. Um, after that, what I did was I built like a storage room inside of my game room at home. I built like a makeshift storage room with like, um, like a, one of those movable coat hangers and those like cubicle boxes for me to stack my jerseys in. I invested in a label printer. Um, and I also eventually invested in a new laptop so I could do everything faster. And then eventually after that, I invested in my sister to like, I basically like hired my sister to help me with packing orders and stuff. So those are all of my like, I guess, investments that I've made up to this day. And so that, built the foundation yeah, of the, what it, that store exactly. is right now. It, like I would I would, you know, make an upgrade to my setup, make some money, make another upgrade, and eventually I built like a really good system where I'm doing the least amount of work while making the most amount of jersey sales. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So going back into the history of it all, the the rappers, that was the kind of you said like the least performing but the most fulfilling for you because of how much you resonated with the music yeah exactly. and so after that like what were some of the other projects that led you up to present day projects yeah okay so after i made um after i made rap jerseys i i have like a few random projects here and there i made these nba and snack collabs I, one of my more recent like jerseys that I sold was this Miami Heat and Flamin' Hot Cheetos jersey. That's honestly got to be one of my favorite designs. That, that, like, I was, that, it was like one of those moments where, like, 
I made something and I looked at it. I'm like, damn, how the fuck did I make that? Like, that's sick. And uh, I also made, like, candy jerseys. I made anime jerseys. Um, Pokemon jerseys. Um, and I also made... I made a lot of things. Like, I made shorts designs. I made baseball jerseys. I made more... Um, Oh, I made like a uh, TV show jerseys. I made, I made, oh, and I also made a bunch of jerseys for like uh, influencers and celebrities over my time. Like I made, a, I made this jersey for Jacob Sartorius. And, Jacob uh, Sartorius. Yeah, no, it was, <laughs> it was so random. It's so random. But yeah, like I made a jersey for him and he promoted it on his page, which was dope. What was the jersey? It was this uh, Golden State Warriors and like V-Load and Juice World inspired jersey. It was sick. Whoa. And then I like, usually when I design custom jerseys for people, like I end up like selling them to my customers as well. Like, because I'm like, oh, like your favorite influencer. I designed this custom jersey for him and now like you guys can buy it as well. That was a great strategy that I had when like TikTok started becoming really popular. Um, I guess like uh, my biggest side project is like, I actually built my TikTok account really high up, and that's honestly contributed the most to my sales, actually, out of I, everything. I was just about to ask if you started to leverage TikTok oh, as yeah. your strategy. Oh, 100%. Like, I would be going viral on TikTok every single day, and because of that, I would get so many jersey sales. Like, my, my, my most successful jersey sale ever, I sold, like, I sold like 900 jerseys in three days, okay? Like, that was honestly crazy to me. Was that the Kobe Bryant ju uh, no, Juice World one? No, 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 it wasn't. But that was one of the jerseys that I was selling during that time. But that's not the same time as when that jersey just debuted, I guess. What jersey was this one? So, okay. So this actually came after, like, a two-month break from selling jerseys because I, uh, I got in some legal trouble with the NBA, and I had to sort that out for two months. So basically my followers were, like, kind of left in the dark for two months. Because I kind of shut all, everything down while I figured everything out. When was this? Uh, this was February of uh, 2022. Or, oh, no, of 2021. Yeah. Of 2021? Yeah. What were the legal issues? <laughs> so basically, back then, I was kind of careless. I didn't really study trademark law and all that. I, you were just I, having fun designing. Yeah, I was, I was having fun designing. So I, when I sold the jerseys, I was using like... The official team name. So, for example, like instead of saying Houston Rockets, I, I would say Rockets. Instead of saying Los Angeles, I would say Lakers. And that's what got me in trouble. They were mad about that. So I had to hire a lawyer. Um, and, dude, lawyers are so fucking expensive, bro. Like, the lawyer I hired, in hindsight, I'm realizing how dumb he was and how much he weighed. Like, how dumb. Like, I don't know why I paid for the things I did for him. Like, I hired a lawyer to, like, review all of my jersey designs to see if they're going to violate trademark laws. And he would charge, like, $500 an hour for that. And then I learned that I could I, I could do it myself in, like, five minutes because I just learned the rules and stuff. But, yeah, so I basically took a two-month break from selling jerseys. And then um, April hit. And I had this, like, April sale, this, like, I'm back sale. Like, it was a real dramatic, like... You know, you, you like the you're NBA bringing the energy. Me, the NBA tried to shut me down, but I'm still here, you know, and I'm better than ever before. People and, love those kind of stories. Yeah, exactly. And these people, the comeback kid. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> no, people love that. But here's the thing. 
here's how that whole NBA lawsuit story ties back to TikTok. Because in those two months that I didn't sell jerseys, I just decided to like grow my TikTok to prepare for the aftermath of when I figure out how to like deal with the situation, you know? So yeah, so two months pass, I get to like 90,000 followers on TikTok. And then I started going crazy on promoting the sale. So what kind of content were you posting on TikTok? Um, I would do, they would like, they're like the dumbest trends. Okay. Like, like you, you, you'd look at them and you're like, how the fuck does this get like crazy amount of views? And it all goes back to the minimal effort, maximal output, like situation that I find myself in because the TikToks that I actually like spend time on, they flop. But then the TikToks were like, I'm just doing some dumbass shit. Like this one TikTok, it got like 400,000 views. All right. And it was literally just like this sound. It was like, it was this sound and it was this like long droning sound. And the caption was like, oh, like, um, these are my jerseys. Even if you don't like have enough money to buy them. Like, I appreciate you guys supporting me from like liking and commenting. And the reason I, this went viral, I don't know how it went viral, but the reason I did it was because I would go into like the hashtags, like hashtag small business, hashtag um, apparel brand, and I would copy like the same trends that they were using. And I would always look at those trends and I'm like, like how did they go viral? And then I'd go viral for the same reason. Like it was honestly really easy. <laughs> <laughs> like once again the answer was just right in front of me like open your eyes exactly. you will see right there exactly you have all the tools to build a home start building exactly man and so are you still keeping up with the tiktok content putting out jerseys like oh. where does that like once we reach that point where yeah. you're kind of building up this tiktok you're going through legal issues you're yeah. just and then you're preparing for this comeback kid story hey here's this sale mm-hmm. What is that still 2021? Like, where does that? That's all 2021 because, like, 2021 was like my first full year of of my jersey business. And so, like, I think like everything that happened in 2021 is like where the majority of my story is. Because, like, now, like, my business is kind of just like a constant, right? Like, I kind of like rode the wave as high as I could. And now I'm trying to figure out how to build the next wave up. But 2021 was like when my business went from packing orders in my bedroom and writing orders on an Excel spreadsheet to like a full scale, like international, internationally recognized business. And that all happened in 2021, really. And so since then, like the moment it's January 1st, 2022, Mm -hmm. up until this year, like what did how would you best describe 2022 if the majority of your business was made in 2021? Yeah, so um, here's the thing. Like, the thing that I wish I did was take a gap year for my freshman year because my business was going at such a great trajectory. And because I got into college, like, everything just changed immediately. Like, because that's, you know, <coughs> that's when everything changed. That's when I joined FISI, that's when I started getting classes, that's when I started having to figure everything out on my own. And so after that, I kind of just like designed jerseys like once a week, once every two weeks. Um, in like the later half of my freshman year though, so I guess this is in like 2022 and like spring 2022, 
um, I started getting like really active again. I started like designing jerseys. I got on a roll again. He's back. I was back. I made like 30 Pokemon jerseys in a row, finished that series, and then... Did they go crazy? Um, to be honest, they did not go as crazy as I, as they would have if I did the same thing two years ago. What was the engagement now? So like when you did the Pokemon one. So the engagement now, like back then, my post would get like eight to ten thousand likes, right? Now my posts get around like four to five thousand, I would say, and um, that's just because people are not on their phones anymore, as much, I guess, and just the fact that like a lot has changed in the gi- the digital world where um, I just not seeing the same numbers, you know, and it kind of sucks on one hand, but on the other hand, it just means that I have to keep adapting to what people want to see which is like my current like challenge yeah so what was the last project you did was it pokemon um well have you done any in 2023 yet my ongoing project is my snack jersey series i've made about 17 out of 30 jerseys so far i just need to finish the last uh last like 13 ish or so and so do you wait until it's all complete and then release it oh no i just or do you just keep posting as you know time but i only release it like on my like online portfolio and it's all finished oh gotcha but like in terms of like my instagram followers like they see every jersey as it's posted oh okay yeah so right now you're working on a snack series yeah i'm working on a snack series um it's honestly a really fun series as well because it's like it's transformed from more than just a snack series to like a snack drink candy uh even like a fast food restaurant like inspired series so my last jersey that I posted was this Cactus Jack Atlanta Hawks McDonald's jersey. And that's one of my best jerseys that I've made in the last few months, actually. Wow. Yeah. Like, it got a lot of love as well, which is cool. Yeah, that seems to be a popular yeah, cop. And exactly. especially on that platform as well. Mm-hmm. People are going to like that. Yeah. So right now, doing the snack series, what's kind of next for the brand? Like, if you look out, you know... Even just a year from now, the moment it's 2024, what is it that you're hoping to have accomplished with your business? So there's a few things. Um, the first thing, which is I think going to be my next really, really big project, is going to take place uh, starting this summer. Um, I'm making this app for my business where essentially, um, and I actually haven't publicized this yet, which is really cool that it's going live on this podcast but essentially i'm planning on building the most advanced like the most simple yet advanced custom apparel software that can be applied to more than just my jerseys but i'm going to start with just my jerseys um essentially i'm going to allow people to have the ability to design custom jerseys without any photoshop knowledge with like an assistant like helper, I guess, like um, like a design AI essentially is what I what I want to implement, like somebody that can help a prospective user design the jersey of their own, and not only design it, but order it for a price. So I'm gonna basically be giving, creating an app where people can just go on it to fuck around. Like on Nike, they have Nike ID, which is where you can custom a shoe with like different colors or different like um, text and stuff like that. Same thing, but with basketball jerseys. And it's going to be fun for a lot of people. For the people that really want to see a jersey be made, they will pay for it. And it's going to be like a really easy-to-use software. And 
it's just gonna make my business expand to a lot more than just like jerseys that I design and I sell. Now I'm allowing people to design jerseys themselves on my platform and purchase it for their for their own. And I think that's something that's really gonna make like a big, like a big splash. And I guess like the whole, you know, basketball jersey industry to say, because this is something that nobody has done. My biggest competitor, um, and I would just call them out. You know, their name is Jersey Bird, and they have a custom jersey software, but it's very like two dimensional and. It's very like, you know, you can see like an outline of a jersey, you can like drag a pattern, but I don't think that a two-dimensional like mock-up of a jersey is is enough for somebody to be able to like purchase it because they don't actually know what they're going to get versus a 3D model that you can rotate and you can like apply different lighting conditions on it to see how it would look. And like you can zoom in and just see like a hyper-realistic level of detail. And I'm just excited to like get on with that project. Yeah, so with this competitor, what's their Instagram presence look like? Like, do they have kind of a chokehold on this market? Um, so I'm the biggest jersey brand on Instagram, but they're the biggest jersey brand on TikTok. Ah. And, uh, so yeah, of the followers that you have on Instagram, what is that today? And what do they have on TikTok today? So, oh my god, I think on TikTok, they have like 300-something thousand, and on Instagram, I have 100, I think 107, 106,000. 106,000? But on Instagram, they only have like 30,000. Mm. And on TikTok, I have, I have um, like 95,000. So, what's their content doing that's generating that many people wanting to follow their account? So, they're very good at TikTok. Like, they're very good. Like, they have mastered the algorithm for deciding, like, how to hook an audience, how to make videos that go viral, how to, like, produce videos in such a style that people will actually, like, watch it and their attention holds until the end of the video. They're really good at that, which is something that they deserve props for because that's why they're so successful. Me, on the other hand, I just, I've never really understood TikTok as well as they do, I guess. Like... To be completely honest, I would say that I'm a more talented jersey designer than they are. And my jerseys are just better quality than theirs. But they're just able to present their ideas on TikTok in such a way that maximizes like the, the potential for going viral of the design. Like they make stupid ass jerseys. Like they make like um, one time they made like a Zin jersey uh literally just based off like the zin packaging and <laughs> it went it got like two million views on tiktok just because like like you know people think it's a funny idea but the thing is it's not even about the fact that it was a zin jersey it's just about the fact that they like presented it in such a way where it was just like interesting and that's like another project that i'm actually currently focusing on right now is growing my tiktok and i've just been hacking at it for the last few weeks and it's just hard it's tiktok is the most frustrating social media like in the world because just like just like how like the like because like going back to what i said earlier like literally the dumbest videos on tiktok go viral and the people that are successful use that to their advantage and i need to use that to my advantage more and i just need to like accept that like maybe i'm not gonna think 
that this is a good idea, but who knows? Maybe I'll give it a try just to be open-minded. Yeah, do you think part of you is kind of hard on yourself? You only expect good things. You maybe think about it too much. And so that's so counterintuitive to what TikTok is since exactly. it promotes stupidity and kind of <coughs> being, you know, not really thinking too much. Yeah, no, like I have a list of TikTok ideas, right? But the one barrier I have to like actually making them is my own judgment. I'm like, this is literally the stupidest idea ever. If I go viral for this, I might as well just quit, you know? Like, and, and that stops me from actually like making it and trying to at least give it a chance, which is something I just, I need to like change my mindset on that because it all goes back to just having an open mind and who fucking cares how you get famous? Like if you're, if you're getting big on TikTok and you're making money and you're getting it, like I don't see anything wrong with that. Which is why I do respect Jersey Bird for like the dumb shit that they produce and the content they make. Even though they're super dumb jerseys that look like a kindergartner designed them, they're really popular. And that's just something that you got to learn from your competitors. Yeah, I like how you've taken that approach and said, you know what? Here's a way that I can generate more traffic for my business, obviously, my designs are superior, the, the quality is superior, but how do I start to make content that's in alignment to the type of crowd that is on TikTok? So would you say that's, I think you, oh, actually, you know what? Before going on to that, something just popped into my head is that you said just a couple seconds ago that something that's holding you back is that judgment. You know, we kind of identified that. I think you've made this shift right now. There's nothing stopping you right now because you already said your answer. You said, yeah, who gives a fuck? You're right. Who cares? You made it right now. You're right. And honestly, maybe that's something that I was searching for on this podcast, man, because I feel like I feel like sort of like an epiphany by talking about it in a way because and it's funny that that happens now because you're right. Like, no, I'm right. Actually, I'm right. You are I mean, right. It's not me. Right. You. I'm right. Yeah. You. Just, sometimes you got to listen to yourself talk to really like learn new things about yourself and how you cannot grow. And like, for me, like, I just got to start, like, stop putting my judgment and just make those TikToks, man, because a lot of people shit on TikTok. Okay. I, I think that the people that shit on TikTok are dumb for the same reason why I think people shit on AI, but that's like a whole nother different conversation. That's a whole nother beast. I do want to get into that in a bit because that's another thing that I'm implementing into my business, like the power of AI. But, um, yeah, it's just like crazy because, yeah, like you're shitting on TikTok for like getting people viral. Then why don't you do something about it and make yourself viral, you know? Yeah, okay, he's rich. Well, okay, I guess you'd be rich now. Exactly. Whoa, 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 whoa. It's like, exactly. it's, not yeah. exactly. it's not that easy. It's not that easy. Exactly. And it's, it's really not as easy as people think. It's not as easy as posting dumb videos because as dumb as these videos are, they have like a well thought out like idea behind it. Like they're not just designing like... um. I don't know. I think the dumbest jersey I've ever seen them make. I don't know. I think it was like a Burger King jersey or something. It was just like a big burger on the jersey. Right? <laughs> but it went viral. And um, I know that because he's a successful business owner, he knew that it would go viral. Just like I knew my SpongeBob jersey would go viral. You know? Yeah. And um, it's just about putting your ideas on TikTok. And the great thing about TikTok is that it doesn't matter how many bad videos you have. All you need is like one good video and everything like one videos. And for me, like when I had one good video on TikTok, it spiraled into like a bunch of good videos after that. 
honestly, it's like a batting average. If you're able to, yeah. cons- at, if you go up to bat 10 times and you're three out of those 10 times, you're doing something with it. You're now in the Hall of Fame. So exactly what you're saying with TikTok, you don't need every single video to hit. It's just as long as you got that batting average, you will be generating traffic. The thing is, that's like a really refreshing thing about TikTok because on Instagram, if my posts don't hit, it takes a lot more effort out of me. They stay not hitting. Exactly. Like, and also like designing a jersey, that's one post on Instagram, right? It can take me up to three hours to design one jersey. It can take me 10 minutes to, like, not even 10 minutes, like, 5 minutes to make one TikTok. I've made TikToks that took 2 minutes and went, like, viral, like, hundreds of thousands of views. So, it's just another thing, like, you just, you make, like, you spend 10 minutes making a TikTok, it goes viral, and that 10 minutes goes way further than 10 minutes towards Instagram. I wouldn't have even made a post by then. Mm-hmm. I think it sounds like you've outlined even the strategy where just like how you made that approach with Instagram, you said, yo, I'm having a Kanye summer. I'm getting, I'm producing content every single day. It's like you already have all of the content right here. You have your portfolio. The the world of TikTok doesn't know your portfolio. Exactly. So right here. It's funny, man, because other people like a lot of my, like a lot of people like make videos about my jerseys on TikTok. And they get they get viral off of my jerseys, right? And it pisses me off because it's like, why am I not like why am I not the one that's getting recognized for my jersey? Why are these guys that are making video edits of my jersey getting popular? More popular than the guy who made the goddamn jerseys themselves. And it just shows you that Instagram is more about content while TikTok is more about grabbing attention, I guess. That's the way that I would differentiate the two social media platforms. Yeah, and in today's day and age, with the introduction of clips, it's really starting to be the era of attention. It's all about grabbing attention. I know, and everything is everything is flourishing under fifteen second video conditions, and it's crazy how fifteen seconds of video can mean more than like even like a month worth of work on like one piece, just from like. 15 second video and so i actually (laughs) one thing that i did recently with my tiktok and i started getting some success off of it is the guy that i just mentioned that went viral making my jerseys like video jersey edits on tiktok i reached out to him and i said hey listen you like my jersey so much and you're obviously you know how to make videos that go viral on tiktok like here's a proposition you make me five videos in that same format i'll send you three free jerseys and those five videos on my page, like one of them got like a hundred thousand views. And so I could have easily just been like, fuck this guy, right? But I was like, actually no, like this guy, this guy may be able to help me. And so he stopped posting the videos on his page and instead I post them on my page now and they're kind of popping. Wow, that's a good strategy in its own right. Seeing, hey, who's actually interested in my product and is already doing cool things? Exactly. Hey, here, you want free stuff? Exactly. And he he was so happy. He was like, no way, dude. Like, this is so cool. Like, yes, of course. And, you know, next day I wake up and there's five videos ready for me to post on TikTok. That's awesome. So I know you had a YouTube channel. Is that something that you are still building to this day? Definitely not. I, my YouTube days are way in the past. I mean, I can't believe I spent as much time on YouTube as I did now that I'm thinking of it. Because I would like make videos and I would edit like multiple videos a day. And that's literally everything I would do with my free time. 
and I just I can't imagine spending every breathing second of my day like making videos and editing them it's just not worth it and also like YouTube like I'm a you know I'm a clothing brand and YouTube is just not the platform for a clothing brand yeah it would be interesting though that just having like a YouTube clips page and just having somebody almost put your recycled TikTok content onto the YouTube shorts because yeah. of how much of uh, traffic that's been generating organically. So yeah. something, it's using content that's already there. Might as well put it on here. Who knows the type of, and then now you're kind of getting YouTubers were like, yo, I love this jersey. Yeah. Now you have a whole new funnel of traffic Honestly, simply yeah. based on TikTok content that you are already producing. You're onto something, man. And honestly... I can't believe I haven't thought of that. Like, I, I've never thought about repurposing my TikTok videos for YouTube shorts, but that's honestly a great idea, and I might see where that takes me now. Um, and Facebook. Exactly. But you know what's funny is the whole idea of repurposing is something that I was actually going to talk about earlier because all of my TikTok videos are repurposed from the jerseys that I've already designed on Instagram. It's just like presenting them on YouTube. And Letting after, the world know. Exactly. And then after I make those videos on TikTok, sometimes I post it again on Instagram Reels. But I just haven't considered YouTube Shorts for some reason. It's been popping off. A lot of people are, have been seeing success really? with YouTube Shorts. Okay. Yep. That's that's great. I didn't know that because I don't I don't even watch like YouTube, just YouTube, you know? So I it's funny though, because every time I see like somebody watching YouTube Shorts, I'm like, dude, how the fuck are you watching YouTube Shorts right now? But for some people, YouTube Shorts is actually their preference of, like, short video clips, which is kind of funny. Yeah, because I occasionally go on YouTube, yeah. and I don't really go on TikTok. Yeah. I used to go on to it, yeah. and I believed in it when the app really started to first blow up. Right. Everyone's like, what the hell is this? This is cringy. And I kind of saw the overall shift that the the world was taking with the attention economy and, and understanding how short our attention span is. So I'm like, guys this will be the biggest social media application just watch they're like no it's not you're dumb like this is just musically but a little different i said just watch no, no, and, and, and so tiktok is what yeah. it is today and so we see youtube who's this dinosaur yeah. within the internet that's this this giant machine that produces all this money then they say wait look at all this this money that's being made on shorts through attention people are really looking at this stuff so it is only it only makes sense to see youtube as now another platform you, for you to put you know your portfolio out there because then it would be super interesting to see you know how many subscribers is he getting and then the ad revenue that you could be getting on that so all of these different you know channels that you're leveraging are now like it all comes from your source of design yeah that's what it all is it's a that's single source of truth yeah no you're right it's you can take one jersey even a jersey that i've already made and put it out on all these other platforms and then they can all funnel back to my online store which is like the one thing that connects all of these different platforms together 
just creating an entire ecosystem for your community to seamlessly see everything that's out there and to have the widest reach. You know, it's like if you're a fisherman, you know, the bigger cast that you're able to put out there, the more fish that you're able to reel up, you know, the better season that was. And the only way to do that, well, hey, I got to get a better, I got to get a bigger boat. I got to get more people on my crew. And those people in this sense are the different social media channels. So right. you, you have the boat, that's your design. Yeah. Now you get the crew, you're like, oh, wait, Hey, yo, YouTube, like, yeah. why the fuck are you just sitting down there? Get yeah, up, exactly. grab hop a broom. Yeah, yeah, hop on. <laughs> oh, man, that's that's a great way of thinking of it, man. And uh, honestly, like, you know, we also have, like, Snapchat shorts, but... <laughs> that I, is true. That's, you know, I'm not sure on the engagement they have there, but I know that is a thing. Yeah, yeah. And it could also be something to explore. Honestly, it's like... Why not explore every single option that's out there yeah. if this is truly what you're passionate about? Yeah, it does right. not add more work. You could automate it. You could get virtual assistants yeah. from the Philippines, from India, no, yeah. pay them $10 that's hourly low. to do all of this for you. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's – there's actually – Snapchat advertising for um, basketball jerseys is actually really popular, believe it or not, because I was going to work with this guy a while back who was a Snapchat expert at marketing there, and he – he marketed for this uh, similar, not, it was like a dropshipping company, but he was able to make this dropshipping company like six figures in a week just from Snapchat advertising, which is honestly crazy to me. How did he do that? Do you know? He, um, he just like, you know, when you're tapping through stories and then sometimes like ads pop up and then it like links to the website, like these, these ads, I would get these ads too. Like he was really pushing them out to the right people, but I guess like these ads converted a lot of you know, just viewers into prospective customers into actual buyers and the funnel. Exactly. And I just, I can't believe that he was able to generate so much revenue just from Snapchat advertising. Cause that's honestly the last place that I would think to, what was the ads? Like, was it that he was doing something interesting, engaging? It was like, like, you know, there'd be like some hoopers, some, some hooper influencers that are on Instagram and TikTok, like wearing their jerseys and like dunking or something. And then it would like end with um, their logo and their website, and that was all. Dang, just bing bada boom. Exactly, it was really simple actually. And so there's, a, I think you just outlined another channel that you could explore. I know, it's like Snapchat, YouTube. I've actually, and two channels that I've been trying to figure out how to use are Facebook and Twitter. What about LinkedIn? Oh yeah, well, actually yeah, I, I got a I got my company set up on LinkedIn, which is nice. LinkedIn has been seeing insane amount of engagement. Yeah. So if you wanted to even take it to maybe a next level and, yeah. and get some higher level thinking involved from the outside yeah. and really strategize, yeah, it may be worthwhile looking into the community that LinkedIn hosts yeah. with your portfolio of work. Yeah. I've actually I've never really um I've I've only used LinkedIn as a means for I guess my own resume and portfolio, but I've never actually participated in any sort of discussions on LinkedIn or kind of like explored what similar business owners are posting on their page and stuff. But it makes complete sense because you're a business owner, right? Yeah, it does. You own a business, yeah. you're an entrepreneur, you've yeah. been doing this for years, you've yeah. invested years of working yeah. into building what you have today. Yeah. You've been able to inspire people thus far up into this point during this podcast alone. So why not use LinkedIn as a channel to say, hey guys, like 
I'm also a thought leader within this community because you yeah. have ideas. And then figure out how to like, I guess, convey this entire story into kind of something that people will actually read and kind of like it has to be informative, informative enough for people to really get a grasp of who I am and what my story is and how to take it from there. I, I'm sure there would be a lot of people that would have ideas. You know what instantly comes to my mind? What does? Is that a picture is worth a thousand words. You know, they usually yeah, say that. Yeah, yeah. And from what I've learned from this conversation is that part of what makes you you is that visual component because creativity is not something that can just be described with words. It is what it is. It's this yeah. energy flow. It's like the Tao. It's the water that moves. The moment you capture it, it's now not what it was. You know, it's just a product of what the ocean is. Yeah. And so part of what makes you you is is the imagery. And so I think in terms of structure on LinkedIn, this is me spitballing, is simply you just putting a post of a jersey and then maybe the mindset into why you created it, what inspired you. Because that's genuinely what you are have been producing from the beginning with your Instagram yeah. pages. It's, hey, here's what I designed. I like it. Maybe you guys will like it too. And this is just to a whole new crowd. And why not? These those people love sports and the crowd that generally is on LinkedIn are career professionals, which career professionals have constant income. They have kids. They have children. Now they know somebody who's a thought leader within entrepreneurship as a young person and makes really cool products. You know what? I have five boys. They love this team and they saw your SpongeBob jersey and they and I got them all for Christmas. You know what I mean? It, yeah, it's right. it's a different way of looking at it. And I think that's what can contribute to you casting just the largest net to get as many fish in because you are creating something that's interesting, that's cool, right. that a lot of people like, but they just don't know about it. Right. You know, I, this is really interesting to me because I've never, I never knew that creatives were on LinkedIn and actually like showcased their art or their work. Cause I guess, I, I mean, I, I don't really, I'm not like a big LinkedIn guy. I have like a very, established LinkedIn page, but I don't use the app as like an actual social networking app. I just kind of use it to update it whenever something new comes up. But now that I'm hearing more about LinkedIn from you, it sounds like I, it sounds like it's the perfect avenue for me to explore next in terms of growing my network. Definitely. You've always been somebody that is able to, the moment someone reaches out to you and they seem interesting, you take a bet on them. Yeah. And yeah. once you start casting out that wider net from a professional standpoint by putting, hey, this is who I am. I'm Mikey. I'm a creative. This is what I make. This is what I'm passionate about. And this is why I do it. Does anyone want to, you know, collaborate? Yeah. You know, even that's not, a, that was something that I just thought of last second, but that's kind of the people, even without having that call to action and saying who wants to collab, but just by putting it out like you did exactly Instagram, people are going to start reaching out like, yo, I have, you know, a kid's, you know, baseball team right. or a basketball team that I coach and we need new jerseys and right. let's, they love this design. Let's get you here. Or, yo, can we test some design? Now it gets to the point where the net is so much wider because now you're working with people who are directly involved with kids in a way that, you know, they can put money on the table. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a great point. It could definitely bring me new opportunities to sell more jerseys to people. While you were talking, I was also thinking about another another thing. Um, 
I think that a lot of my success has come from other people with larger networks uh, showcasing my work and showcasing my story. And I feel like that... I don't really think about my story that much because, I mean... Your really story thinks, would go like, viral on TikTok. Who really thinks about, like... I mean, not TikTok, own, LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, because, like, who really thinks about their own life that deep? Like, I, I think about a lot of things, but I don't really take a moment to self-reflect and think about what led me to this point. And I do think that my story is a story that is worth sharing on LinkedIn. And I don't think I've ever even shared, like, my story on LinkedIn because people go to my LinkedIn and they see, like, my business and they see, like, I guess the metrics that I'm showing off and all of that, but they don't actually know the story that got me into that business in the first place. And I think nowadays that's really important for people to connect with the brand because now yeah. it's things are starting, brands are starting to become more than just a brand. It's, you know, yeah. it, it's a lifestyle, it's fitting into the psychological profile yeah. of the consumer itself. And so yeah. if you start to be honest and say, hey, and, you know, even elements of this entire podcast where you were in, it was COVID and you said, hey, I, I'm going to use this time to be better. That in itself right there is a story that a lot of people can resonate with, but especially on the platform LinkedIn, since that was a general, you know, content that was out there and still is out there of people saying, hey, here's what happened during COVID. This is what I did now. This is what I built. Having the story there, the engagement on there is insane because people yeah, on yeah. on LinkedIn, if you know, let's say 500 connections, they have 500 connections. If I like your content on there, it's now going to show what I liked to my network. Obviously, oh, yeah. maybe not the yeah, full yeah. 500, depending on the algo works, yeah. right? But then it immediately, if I like and comment, my network will be able to see immediately what I liked and commented on. Because you can go on any person's page and I can go on your activity and see everything you're liking and commenting. And so by you putting yourself out there, on that platform, I just I I genuinely think that it would only do you good and help you build a more legitimately sound brand as you start to mature because yeah. you're not the Mikey that you were in COVID. Exactly. You're not you're not high school Mikey. Yeah. And Mikey in his thirties is not gonna be Mikey now. Exactly. That's you're really you're really making me go home tonight and the first thing I'm gonna do is draft up a LinkedIn post because now I just have like this perfect idea of, in my head of what I can share to my network. And I already do have like a pretty big network of my own on LinkedIn. And I, just, I can't even imagine how far that can go because it's kind of like a tree with your connections, their connections, and then their connections, connections. That's I didn't think about LinkedIn as a tool like that. But now that you mention it, it's like I wish I wish I had posted about this earlier like right after covid really kind of like after the peak of that but it's never too late you know and i think I, the way that you phrased it where it's like here's what i did during covid here's what i've done since then and here's what i where i am now is a way to incorporate the story of rising up through covid and really hustling and now i'm just i'm doing this but i'm also pursuing my bachelor's degree in computer science at UW. And that's why that would also give a lot of explanation to why I was a lot more active back then than now as well, because to be honest, like the level of um, productivity that I had back then with my business, I can't reach that now being in college. Like I just can't.
it's impossible. There's not enough hours in a day to do that. But I guess that's why the standard has sort of changed now. And another thing that I was thinking about as you were mentioning all of this is um, being able to share my story on all these different platforms doesn't require me to create any new content. It just, exactly. once again, it's, it goes back to the whole repurposing idea. You know, it, it, it started with the idea of TikTok to YouTube shorts. And now I'm thinking about LinkedIn. And LinkedIn is honestly a great place for me to share my story. And I'm excited to do so. I'm really excited to see that. And I'm excited to see what comes from that. Because the analytics that also go into that they provide for you to understand who's clicking on your profile exactly, how many people, as somebody like yourself who's a business owner and takes these analytics very seriously, I think you will be... I think you're going to be happy with what the future will hold. Yeah, I think so too. Um, LinkedIn posts, like I've seen, I've seen so many like dumb LinkedIn posts go viral too. Like the other day, this is completely unrelated, but there's this one girl that like posted about falling for like a pyramid scheme, like some MLM recruiter, and she was like talking about like, oh, like he scammed me of like of like, she scammed me and I feel terrible now. But in reality, he didn't like really scam her of anything. Like she hopped on a Zoom meeting and the first thing the guy said was, hey, so we're like an MLM. Like if you're not interested, you can leave. <laughs> but like she took that as like being scammed and posted about it. Like, <laughs> and like the reason that post was on my feed was because like one of the people in my network had liked that post. And I remember seeing that post had like 10,000 likes and I'm like, like, what the fuck? Like, this is so stupid. Yeah, it's like the equivalent of <laughs> what's happening nowadays is like there will be a girl in a gym and she'll be yeah. recording somebody and like, oh, this guy was staring at oh me. Oh, my God, yeah. And it's just some old guy that walked by and said hi. Uh, yeah, they, <laughs> without a doubt, like, you know, the people that post that know that that type of stuff is going to go viral. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They know what they're doing. It's not on accident. Yeah, and I guess... Like, going back to my whole thing about judgments and why I judge the TikTok videos that I could make, but I don't make because I think they're dumb. I think another reason why I haven't even opened up, opened my mind to the realm of LinkedIn is just because I see posts like that and it just clouds my judgment of, like, the type of people that post on LinkedIn. But it's it's more than just that, you know? It's more than just dumb people because I will say I have seen a lot of really productive and interesting reads on LinkedIn you know, from the limited time I spend there. And yeah, what it's really, what's really important it, when you just boil it down in simple terms is saying, Hey, where are people spending time and where are there a group of people that may be interested in what I have to say? And there's LinkedIn is a giant social media powerhouse, TikTok, you know, everyone kind of has these these preconceived notions for each social media app like oh this kind of person uses tiktok this kind of person goes on instagram this kind of person goes on twitter but at the end of the day if you although all of those people may have merit and there may be slivers of truth to everything that they say you are looking at this from the perspective of a business owner yeah not a consumer of a social media product so that's why 
as you start to build out that brand and saying, hey, it's not about that there's this kind of person on LinkedIn. I don't want to be that kind of person saying, hey, I'm just a smart business owner that realizes that I need to go where the people are. And I need to let them know that I exist and I have a story and there's things they can learn from me. And hey, by the way, I'm also really creative and I can do a lot of cool things. Nice to meet you. My name's Mikey. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Damn. That, that was really well put, man. Because I do realize that because as much of a business owner I am, I'm equally a consumer because I spend time on social media every day. And when I am spending time on social media... I don't always think about it through like a business lens, but I think that's very important to be able to distinguish between your personal like judgments and, you know, the CEO that is within me that I know is within me. And he's right there. I'm looking at exactly, exactly. And once you start looking at things from like a, a business owner's lens, which I am, I feel like I just got to start putting the lens on more often because it's your reading glasses exactly and one thing that i kind of just realized tonight is that all of these different people and all of these different social networks they like as you said they may have some preconceived notion about the population of like another network another network i mean let me give you like a clear example reddit like redditors yeah like whenever you call somebody like Oh, he's definitely like a Reddit mod or even like Discord, like Discord. Neckbeard, fedora wearing guy. Exactly. Like, it's like people that like are on Reddit and post on Reddit. Internet girlfriend. Yes. (laughs) I mean, I'll be completely honest. I'm a big fan of Reddit. Oh, it's a great platform. The platform has all truth. (laughs) The Redditors know. It's just so much more interesting than any other social media platform because there's like. The first thing I did when I got Reddit was I looked up every single one of my possible interests in my life from my car, from the type of food I like, from like, I don't know, just like anything, any of my hobbies, any of my favorite TV shows, there's a Reddit, like a subreddit for everything, which is fucking insane. But, you know, going back to the original point, like people think that Redditors are just weird kids, but the community on Reddit is so big. It is so big. And I guess the thing I realized is it doesn't matter if the Instagram kids think that the TikTok kids are weird or the TikTok kid things, the TikTok kids think that the Redditors are weird and the Redditors are too antisocial to be on LinkedIn. And it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, like being a business owner and wanting to grow my business is all about reaching as many people as I can and reaching all of these different populations. If anything, it's honestly a blessing that these people are so different from each other because I can guarantee that the community that I reach on Reddit is going to be vastly different than the community I reach on TikTok. Exactly. And LinkedIn is just a whole population that I have not tapped into yet. Mm-hmm. And that's what's exciting is that each platform, like you said, they have their own people. And so that's what makes it the fun part is that messaging component. What you say on Reddit is not going to be the same thing that you put on TikTok. And what you put on TikTok is not what's going to be what you put on Instagram. Yeah. But what you put on TikTok can be the same what you put on YouTube Shorts. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then exactly. LinkedIn is kind of saying, hey, here's <coughs> here's like the Discovery Channel, how it's made type beat stuff. Yeah, it's like a different, a different sort of tone and demeanor. Like on TikTok, you're appealing to kids that are probably like high schoolers, college kids, and you can make more crude humor in front of them and you can like implement like – 
Gen Z trends and like all of that lingo. But you can't necessarily do that on LinkedIn when your audience is just a bunch of grown Ex know, professional executives, execs. yeah, exactly. attorneys, nurses, yeah, like every single professional job, everything. So I think that's going to be what I think has been a lot of fun up until this point in the conversation is that there's been so much growth. And yeah. I think that's what your story really kind of puts out there is that you've been growing. You've been taking in the information. Yeah, sometimes you got to step away. Life kind of gets busy. You're working and prioritizing your education, which those were the two reasons why you had gaps in the first place was in high school. You said, hey. I got to focus on these AP classes. Yeah. Things are getting a little bit more intense. This is important to me. You did that. You took. You had to take the break, and then you did the same thing with the University of Washington, which you know the um, the Podgy Allen School of Computer Science, incredibly prestigious in the world, and so it makes sense why it slowed down a little bit. But it sounds like you can start to build that hype again and let the world know through all these different channels as you start to follow more whims of curiosity and, and you know, actualizing your ideas. Yeah, and about the growth part, like I definitely feel like as a business owner, I've grown a lot just from our conversation just because, I mean, I've never really sat down and shared my story like face-to-face -face to someone for this long. And I guess... Because you heard my story, you were able to kind of like realize more opportunities. And I think that's something that I needed because the phase that I'm in right now, it's kind of similar to like, as, a, as you mentioned, the high school phase where I, I got like stuff at school, got more serious and I had to take a break, but I still was able to hit a peak right after that. And this summer, like I'm going to make sure that this summer is going to be this next peak with my app idea I've designed. And now with everything that you said... Everything I can do in these next leading months is going to lead up to a successful summer. And now that I got all these ideas, man, I got to go home, write them down in my journal and cross them off once I finally implemented them, you know? Yes, sir. Okay. So you're a business owner. We don't want to take too much of your time. I know we've been searching for a while and we've got a lot of gems to go from, but I think a nice way to end the conversation is explaining a little bit more about what this new AI project is. I know that's something that you wanted to touch on. Yeah. And so I'm excited to hear you talk about it. Okay. So one thing I will say is at first when AI became more applicable to like art uses, I was one of the people that was very like upset. I was like, fuck dude. Like, I'm not going to be as unique anymore. Like this is going to take away from my opportunities, all of the hard work, all of the skills that I've acquired on my own up to this point. And um, it was only until one point I, uh, I was having, it was actually, it was, it's a really dumb way to realize this, but it was, um, I was talking to some of my boys in one of my Snapchat group chat and we were talking about AI and the application that it has to art. One of my friends, he's a very talented graphic designer. Um, he kind of has like a similar background to me, but he didn't really make jerseys. He made like sports posters and stuff. He transformed his Instagram account into like an AI centered account where he like generates certain parts of his like art from AI and then makes it better in Photoshop. And then in the end, he produces something that is way larger than what AI could even make. And when I saw him do that, I kind of talked to him about it and he was like, he was like, um, good creatives 
utilize AI to make their art even better and even more unique. And I thought about that, right? Because up until this point, I was like, AI sucks. Like, you won't catch me using AI. Like, I'm going to stick to my roots. I'm going to do things the way that I've always been doing them. But with this new epiphany that I had, I realized that I need to hop on this AI trend as well, man. Like, I need to figure out how I can utilize AI and incorporate it within my business. And so here's, here's my sort of idea with my app and how I'm going to integrate AI within it. The first thing is I'm going to have a design assistant and it's going to be like an AI that sort of like accompanies the designers, walks them through the process and gives them suggestions on the type of patterns and the type of um, like fonts they can use. And even beyond this, what I really want to do long term, I haven't figured out the logistics for this, but this is kind of like a long term goal that I want to implement is I want to be able to um, I want to be able to teach an AI teach an AI how to design a jersey in a similar style as I can. And so essentially I would be automating that part of my business. And I haven't decided whether I want to release this to like my app to the public because I'm scared people are going to figure out a way to steal my code. Or I could maybe just keep it for myself as my own design assistant. So when I'm thinking of like a crazy like jersey idea, I can I can say like, oh, design a Dallas Mavericks and Looney Tunes collab, but also implement some McDonald's art into it. And my idea is that I can train this AI to be so smart, just as smart as me, to be able to output at least like a good like first draft of what the design would be. And then I would take that design and make it mine and make it really mine. Because the hardest part about graphic designing is idea generation and sort of like projecting your ideas in your head onto like a screen. Because you may be able to think in your head like, oh, I feel like Starbursts and um, Starbursts and the Philadelphia 76ers would have a, like a really dope jersey. But sometimes it's hard to figure out how to make that happen. Like, where do I start? Exactly. And you know how with um, AI, right? Like even with just like, let's take the most basic example that everyone's gonna understand, ChatGPT. People are using ChatGPT to write like I like paragraphs of an essay and then they take those ideas and rewrite them of, from their own but they have like the general like picture that's painted in front of them for how to achieve that I don't think that's cheating because you're just kind of getting a visual idea of what your own original ideas are going to look like on a blank piece of paper and you're making it yours once you get that finished product and that's essentially what I want to do with my jerseys I, I would become a machine like I would be able to make one jersey every single day with no problem. And if I'm able to do that, like the possibilities of my business are crazy. Like I'd actually be like the biggest jersey workhorse. Like it would literally just be like um, when assembly line production was first introduced, you know, and Ford was just outputting cars like crazy. That's exactly what would happen to my business. Yes. I'm so happy to hear that you didn't completely close the door on AI and machine learning because it is as revolutionary as really anything like the internet itself. So to be that person to say nah and to not see, it's like 
missing the bus. You're not going to get to where you really wanted to go down the street. And it sounds like with the ideas that you have cooking up right now, because we can't give, we can't reveal it all to everybody. We can't. You know, so the fact that we've given them this little bit of taste of what they could see in the future, I think the best thing to do right now in conclusion of this podcast, since we've gotten so much of your time already, is a perfect, I, I love how you brought up Henry Ford, because I actually had a quote to share no with you way. that was by Henry Ford. And I wanted to say I wanted to save it towards the very end okay. because I've appreciated your time. People are really going to take a lot away from this conversation. And so the quote reads by Henry Ford, failure is only the opportunity to begin again, this time more intelligently. That I can't believe that you chose this quote and I had no idea that this was like the quote going into our entire conversation but that quote basically like summarized our entire conversation somehow. Yes. Wow. <laughs> that was fantastic. Mikey, thank you so much for being on the Searching for Something podcast. This has been fantastic. Thank Thanks you. Thanks for having me. Maybe y'all will see me in like another year or something and I'll have some more projects cooking up. We'll see, man. Yes, sir. I'll be excited to talk to you about them once they're up and going. Yes, sir.